How y'all doing? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast. Today, we have episode 54 on Slate on this Tuesday morning. Um, big week of NFL just concluded. Um, we'll talk about that on Thursday episode, but we did have some injuries that we'll get to at the end of the episode that we don't normally touch on in the Tuesday uh, regular episodes. But to start off with our hot takes, I'm going to go with summer's the worst season of the four, uh, being you know spring, summer, fall, and winter. I think regardless of where I've been, it's summer's always like either too humid or just too hot. And I like fall and winter the most just because the temperature is a lot better. I think those high 60s is ideal for me. And then when you get snow, obviously, if you have places to be and need to drive, it's rough. But if you don't have much to do, um, especially being in college, you get the snow days and stuff. I I really like winter a lot. Um, You know, I don't have to run the A.C., um you know keep the place cool without having to pump air into it um and then spring i like it a lot it's just sometimes it gets a little too warm too quick so i kind of associate the early part of spring with winter so um yeah it's a summer so four out of four i'd say winter or fall is probably number one and then spring's three and uh summer's four but that might be your hottest take you've had on turn up the heat um the seats might be cold today but the takes are certainly hot i'll tell you that um i'm going to dis firmly disagree i'm gonna say spring's the worst at least for like in texas because part of spring you get you're still super cold and there's really nothing going on uh and then you get part of it where it's like april and it's just stupid warm and it's still not much is going on um and allergies is the is the biggest one at least like for me growing up like central texas and all and you know growing up in austin and even out here in lubbock like the allergies get really bad um in the springtime so i'll say spring is definitely the worst um i don't know how i'd rank the rest of them uh, i don't like the heat either um but i will say there is something about the summer vibe that is just unmatched sometimes um Nice little, you know, go to the beach. I'm not a beach guy, but like maybe go to the beach, go fishing. A little cold beer action. Just saying, it's the, the summer vibes are elite, very high. Um, that said, I do agree the heat the heat's tough, but um, don't know if I can I can rock with that hot take today. Um, summer is probably number two for me. I had to put, if I had to rank it, number two, go number two season because you always get some time off in summer, some time to relax typically um i'll go i'll go falls the best season because you get like the most temperate weather at least in texas and uh football season's in full swing but you got you know playoff baseball basketball getting going, a lot right. of sports going on um so i'll go falls the best season followed up by summer probably winter's winter's nice but um gets a little gets a little boring during winter sometimes you're trapped inside a little bit a little, a little boring so i'm gonna go with with summer's the second best season as opposed right. to the worst. The summer vibes are elite. Nice little summer beer on a hot afternoon. Peak. Uh, my hot take this week is sports related. I try I try not to do this every you know every 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 week, but um, after the performance yesterday and what we've seen, what I've seen at least throughout the first three games of the year in the NFL, um, Keenan Allen is still a top ten receiver in football and a top three route runner in football. Um, Byron Murphy is not a slouch at corner. He's paid big money for a reason. Um, I don't know if he's like a top, you know, five 
corner, but I mean, he got big money to leave Arizona for a reason and go to Minnesota. And, um, homie got cooked yesterday. Ten, he gave up 10 receptions, 185 yards, um, of Keenan's 18 for 215 yesterday. Both Chargers, uh, single game records also broke the Chargers to, Franchise records for receptions, uh, career records for fran- or franchise career records for receptions and yards. Um, but what he did yesterday, this is the best he's looked since 2018. When I think in 2018 he was probably a, a top seven receiver in football that year. Um, this is the best he's looked in the Justin Herbert era for sure. Um, he heard he heard the talk this offseason that he's washed. Got to cut him. Um, I don't know if he just got a file under flit under him because they drafted Quentin Johnson in the first round or what, but um, he looks really good. He looks unguardable. Um, again, top three route runner in football. I think the only guys I might put ahead of him are are Devontae Adams and maybe like a healthy Cooper Cup. I think I think Keenan Allen's not good. Like I think guys like Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson, Jamar Chase, like those guys win because the athleticism that they have and the explosiveness. I don't know if they're like the best technical route runners. Or better than Keenan. Um, I just what we saw the late yesterday and last week and the week before. What he's been able to do has been special. Um, at what like age 32, I think he is now or 33. Um, it's pretty impressive what he's doing. So Keenan is still a top 10 receiver in football. Um, it helps having a guy like Justin Herbert at quarterback throwing in the football, um, who has that great of connection with him. That said, like still got to be a dog and get open and um, make the play so he's not this yak beast he's not this like you know after the catch after the catch threat like some of the other guys in the league that are top 10 but um he gets open he catches the football he's big in the red zone he's he's the probably the he might be the best third down receiver in football it feels like every every third down the chargers have he's he's converting he's picking up you know whether it's a it's a it's a it's a you know 20 yard dig you got to pick up a, a long third down or a you know it's an out route or it's slant across the middle. It's he's always getting open on third down, and Herbert's always getting the ball. So um, those two guys are a legit, you know, top end duo in football, and uh, he's still a top ten receiver in the league for sure. All right, I don't hate it. I think it's a little spicy, but uh, I mean, he's getting a lot of volume, a lot of he's making. Overall, I saw a few few of his uh receptions yesterday, and it looked pretty smooth. Pretty good, like he was a little younger um, than he had looked previous in previous years. But uh, that I mean, maybe he switched up his conditioning program, kind of what he does in the off season. Maybe he just worked out with the with the offense as a whole more, um, but a little a little, a little bit smoother, more cohesive um, in terms of what he's doing on the field. Um, but moving on to the MLB, we're gonna have a standings update like we have in every week. Uh, we're going to go through division leaders and then wild card standings. So for the American League wild card, we have the Rangers. They're two and a half games up. They've clinched a playoff spot. However, they have not clinched. Oh, no, they haven't clinched a playoff. I think they have to win one more game to clinch a playoff spot. Um, they have not clinched the division either, but they're two and a half games up. They just swept the Mariners, which was huge. Um and then the Mariners are playing the Astros this weekend. And then the Mariners and Rangers play again in Seattle to close out the regular season. I think the Rangers have two, one or two wins for a playoff spot. Astros and Mariners still a good ways out unless the Rangers start losing. Um, 
it's it's weird when you have three teams that are still fighting for a division title with six games left, but then all three could I mean two of the three could miss the playoffs or make the playoffs. I mean it's a ton of different combinations of how this could work out for the AL West, but uh. Yeah, Rangers are two and a half games up. It's been the biggest lead that someone's had in that division for quite a bit, I feel like. Um, the Astros were in the lead for a little bit, but it was never more than like one and a half or two games, I think. AL Central, the Twins clinched the division, as the division's just awful. Um, nine and a half games up in that division right now, and granted, it doesn't matter anymore because they're going to be the default uh, three seed, I guess, um, playing that wild card round against, I guess, whatever ALS. AL, AL East teams, tr- AL East team tr- gets into the division. Okay, I'm just gonna restart that. <laughs> <laughs> the Twins are gonna be the three seed because when you look at the AL as a whole, they are worse than ever. The top three AL East and AL West teams, so they're gonna play whatever AL West team makes the playoffs unless the Blue Jays go like two and four to end the year or something like that. But um, still pretty exciting to see who's going to face who in the playoffs. In the AL East, the Orioles are two and a half games up on the Rays, uh, two of the, the two best teams in the AL. You know, you have the Orioles and then the Rays, and then nine, nine and a half games back, you have the Rangers. So uh, expect those two teams to kind of battle it out. The Orioles need to win two more games to cleanse the division. Um, which I hope they would do, but you just never know. Uh, two and a half games up is nice. A big boost yesterday as the Rays lost and the Orioles won. Looking for playoff matchups. It looks like in the AL, if the Orioles hang on to the one seed, it's going to be Tampa Bay versus Toronto. And then the Twins versus, right now it's the Astros, but that can switch tonight since Astros and Mariners are playing each other. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be the Twins versus ALS team and then two AL East teams battling it out. And then the winner of that will face the AL East division champ. So, you're going to have AL East side of the bracket and then everyone else side. Um, yeah, kind of a weird year across the board as we kind of recap really what is our final standings update before we get into the playoff picture and bracket. AL was, it, it looked pretty strong for a while. And then you saw teams like the Tigers, Guardians, Red Sox, Yankees, all those teams kind of fell off in the back stretch. The Yankees got hot for a little bit, but still were mostly cold. Um, and you had three bad teams in the the Athletics, the Royals, and the White Sox. So kind of a really spread out conference. I think 49 games separated the Orioles from the Athletics. Um, where in the NL, it's only 43 and a half. And then before that, it's only 32 games. So much closer overall in the NL. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the playoffs as a whole. I like the format of it a lot. Um, it should be interesting to see who comes out of this league. I don't want to really make any predictions right now, but it'd be tough to bet against any of the ALEs teams just because of the schedule they've played. Like the Orioles have played the hardest schedule in the league, and I think the Rays have played the second hardest just because of strength of schedule. So, um, I don't think there's going to be too many upsets in the playoffs and obviously wild card anything can happen but in the ALDS ALCS I don't think there's going to be too many shocking division or 
series upsets um, from whoever it may be. But that's pretty much the AL, how it looks right now. Um, Twins locked it up. We're still waiting on the East and the West to close out here in probably four days. You probably get a, you know, your three division champs by Saturday. Um, you know, so you'll see teams kind of rest guys the last couple games of the season after they've already clinched their seed. But really looking forward to playoff baseball. Um, and yeah, I'll let you get to the NL. Yeah, real quick on the on the AL. Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's just the way that it's kind of set up. Like you said, looks like you're gonna, gonna, going to be the AL East side of the bracket versus the everybody else bracket. Um, again, like you said, Twins get the default three seed because they're the worst division winner, and then. Um, you know, they probably see, well, probably they, they likely see um, the was the three seed gets in the wild card round. They get the six seed. So, I mean, you figure it's probably going to be Houston or Seattle. The interesting thing with the Rangers is they have six left and three of them are against the Mariners. So a lot could change in three, in, you know, in six days, seven days, right. by the time we record next Monday. So in the Rangers sit here. Up, up two and a half in the division. I think their magic number is still five because of the way that the wild card is right now. It's so tight. Because basically the, there's separation from the division and then the last wild card spot is still two and a half because that's what they're up on. They're tied with the Blue Jays on, in record-wise and they're two and a half up on the rest of the division. So I love the fact that we're getting out of the wire with this. Um, wild card race is super tight. It's even tighter than National League if you can believe it. Um, when you look at kind of how it breaks down right now, the Phillies are five up. They should. I think they can clinch tonight if they win. Uh, yeah, they can. Cl- they can clinch tonight with a win against the Pirates. Yeah. Um, and you've got the Diamondbacks and the Cubs who are tied, holding the second and third spot. Then you've got the Marlins that are one game back, the Reds that are two and a half back. Um, Padres and Giants are technically still alive, but they both are eliminated with losses tonight or wins from the other. Yeah. You know, the other five teams. They have to go them. undefeated, basically. Yeah, and they need help. To, they need to go undefeated and they need help. Um, I do love that the Dodgers basically put the Giants out of their misery this weekend. I do think if they would have swept them, they would have, like, ended their postseason chances last night. Um, or maybe almost oh, ended wait. it, but. They should already be eliminated because they have a three-game set against each other starting tonight. So That's neither true. of them can so go undefeated. Yeah, it's true. So one of them will, I guess technically neither of them are eliminated yet, but one of them will be after tonight. Yeah. Um, and then again, you look, I mean, even if, even if the Padres win tonight, if the Reds and the Marlins and the Cubs, even if the Reds and the Marlins win, they're probably out. Um, or if the Cubs, so, which is tough for them. Um, I think the rest of the league's glad they're not in it. I think the way that they've looked in the last 20 games, nobody wants to see them. I, I don't want to see them. I know the Braves probably don't want to see them. I mean, nobody wants to see them just with the talent that they boast at the top of that lineup and in that roster is special. Um, I also want to point out, this is maybe the first year in a while this is going to happen, where the best team in baseball is probably going to win like 104 games. We've had 100, we had 111 win team last year, and the Astros won the quietest 106 games ever last year. I think the year before the Dodgers won 106, and then the Yankees won like 100 and a couple, like I think just over a hundred, like we are only going to probably going to have one team above a hundred game, hundred wins. The Dodgers and the Orioles can both realistically get there. Dodgers need four wins of six. Orioles need three wins of five. Um, y'all five left, right? We got six, six. 
Yeah. So three wins of six. Dodgers need four wins of six. Rays need five wins of six, which is tough. But again, I think a lot of parity in baseball, as we've kind of seen with these wild card races being super tight. I think it's a good thing for the sport. I think having I mean, even the Braves won like 104 last year, I think, um, or 103. Mets won 100. So just having all these 100 win teams and all these teams that win under like 65 games, I think we'd rather see the parity like we have this year. Um, be curious to see if the A's actually never mind. The A's have been terrible lately and have now have a worse record than the, than the Royals. And I was going to say, I wonder if the Royals are going to end up with more losses than the Braves have wins. But it doesn't matter because the A's have 108 losses. So um, Max wins. The Braves can get his, I believe, 106 right now. So I'll put that um, question to bed. Uh, but getting kind of into the division standings, uh, again, Dodgers, Braves still lead. They've clinched. They've locked it up. Um, Brewers have clinched as well. Actually, I think they can clinch tonight. I think technically if they lose all six and the Cubs win all six left, the Cubs would win the division. That said, either team drops – the Cubs drop a game or the, or the Brewers win tonight. Um, right. The they Brewers will clinch the division. More. Yeah, they got to win one. Or they need the Cubs to lose one basically. Right. Um, but they already clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, they already clinched a playoff spot. So they are – they're going to win the division. I mean, they're, it's nearly impossible that they don't at this point. Um, so looking at playoff matchups – the Braves will get the winner of Milwaukee and whoever gets the sixth seed. It could be one of like what three or four teams right now. I think. Um, yeah, one of four. Could be one of four, and it's it's a realistic four. Like the Reds are only two and a half back of a spot, so if they'll they'll see the winner of uh, Milwaukee versus one of the Diamondbacks, Cubs, Marlins, or Reds. The Dodgers will then see the winner of Phillies. Or sorry, that's backwards. The Braves will see the winner of the Phillies versus one of Diamondbacks, uh, Cubs, Reds, Marlins. The Dodgers will see the winner of Brewers versus whoever gets the sixth seed. It's this basically the same group of teams, right? Um, yeah. Again, I I'll disagree with you. I think there's going to be an upset this year. We saw it last year. Actually, we saw it both teams last year. The Dodgers won 111 games and lost in three. The Braves won 104 games and lost in three in the division, or lost in four in the divisional. Dodgers lost in four, too. I mean, shoot, the Mets won 103 and lost in the wildcard round in, to the Padres. So we're going to see an upset this year. I, we're going to see at least one or two. Um, you look over in the American League, we're going to see a couple there, too. I think as with as, as insane as this run's going to be, you look at playoff playoff baseball is a wild card. Um, and I think the other thing to think about is I don't know how many elite, elite, elite pitchers there are on the American league side of the bracket to where, like, I don't know if anyone's really terrified. Like, for example, if the Yankees made the playoffs, shoot, you better, you better get your, you better have your pitching right. When Garrett Cole goes for the Yankees in game one, I, I don't really see that for the American league right now. You look at the Rangers they don't really have anybody. John means looks really good for the Orioles. But he's also, what, three major league starts in back from Tommy John? So we have no idea. The The Rays have had really solid pitching, but there's nobody there that I'm like, oh, man, that's an ace who I'm terrified of in the postseason. Blue Jays are kind of similar. Um, I mean, Astros, you look at um, – I'm going to forget his name. Valdez? I'm blanking. 
yes, Valdez. He's a guy who's done it in the postseason, but he's been bad this year, right? So I, you know, that's a huge wild card to me in the postseason, uh, which I'm looking forward to, frankly. Um, I think it's gonna be great. So I will say, I think the Rangers and the Orioles have really good chances to make runs because the long ball plays in the postseason. People always talk about like, oh, home run, home run dependent teams don't always do in the postseason. They don't always win the World Series sometimes, but the long ball plays in the postseason, especially because postseason pitching is always better when you have teams full of guys who can hit the long ball and have hit the long ball well all year, which is what those two teams have done. I know the Orioles, you wouldn't like picture them as like a long ball hitting team, but recently they've been hitting the long ball pretty well. You look at what Gunner's done. You look at what Abby's been doing at the plate, not necessarily hitting homers, but he's hitting the ball really hard and really deep. Um, And then you look at the Rangers, dude. Seager, Simeon, Garcia, even Josh Young, Jonah Heim, Nathaniel Lowe at times. like They're hitting the piss out of the ball. So, um, Granted, that said, <laughs> what we say last time, last week, this time last week, you said that it feels like the Rangers can't win or lose more than four in a row at a time. They've won five straight off of a four-game losing streak. So that tells mm-hmm. any, anybody anything. Um, you, were, you were right about that. Um, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the postseason a lot. Um, should be awesome. If I, had to, if I had to make my picks right now on the pod, I think the I think the Rangers win the division because of what the, the position that they're in, and is not good as the Mariners and Astros have looked in the last ten games. I'll say the, the Rangers win the division. They get the AL West, and I'll say that the I mean the Blue Jays clinch a playoff spot, and I will say that the the Mariners. I'm going to say the Mariners get the – I'm going to say the Astros get the last spot because they've been there and done that. And their last series – oh, man. I may have just lied. I'm going to take Seattle. Um, I think the Rangers clinch a playoff spot before they play Seattle in the last game, the last series of the year. And I think that they ease up. Oh, they're not ease up, but, like, they're not going to be as pressed to win games because they're going to be locked in their seating, right? So I'm going to say the Mariners make it. Um, cause the Astros played the Diamondbacks in Arizona last week of the year. And that Diamondbacks team is going to be clawing for a spot down to the wire. So I'll say the Astros don't make it, which when was the last time the defending world champs, it's probably 19 when the, when the, when the Red Sox didn't make the playoffs, right? At the last time that the, that the defending champs didn't, didn't make the playoffs the following year, it's gotta be 19, right? Probably. Well, maybe the Nationals. Oh, I guess but COVID. I'm not account because COVID season. Right. But yeah, it would be the Nationals in 2019, 2020. But um, I was gonna say COVID year. I don't know if I'm gonna count it. Just given the way that the Nationals made it to the playoffs in 2019, they were like the, one of the worst teams in baseball start the year. Similar to the Phillies last year, they were one of the worst teams in baseball. One of this crazy run to make the playoffs. So COVID year, 60 games. Get you once you get into the playoffs. I think the World Series, all that stuff. I think it still counts the same because everyone's playing for it the same. But I think mm-hmm. in terms of Talking like historically, like when was the last team? There's maybe an asterisk next to it, but I don't think the I know the Red Sox didn't make it in 2019. I don't think I'm looking right now. This is again wonderful work. Uh, no, they did not make the playoffs this year. I don't think they did not because this was before the this is this was the old postseason uh, format too. Um, no, so I'll say they don't make it, and then the National League. God, dude. I'll say the Diamondbacks make it. Hmm. I mean, the Phillies are gonna. The Phillies have already clinched a spot, I think. Or they clinched tonight. 
So the Diamondbacks make it, and I will say that the Marlins get the last spot because the Cubs pitching has been shaky lately, and they got the Braves for three. So Braves have looked bad, but I worry about the pitching for the Cubs down the stretch. So, yeah, those are my picks on the pod. I'll let you make some, and then we'll get into uh, golf for the week. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I guess the NL is pretty much done. Obviously, picking the Brewers to win that division. And then AL, I'm going. I'll go Rangers to close it out, win the division. And then for wild card standings, we'll go. I think the Blue Jays are going to get in. I don't think they would lose. Although they do have a series against the Rays at the end of the year. So that could be big if the Rays are still pushing for a division title. Um, two games up, six to mm, – yeah, I think the Blue Jays are going to hold on. And then I'm going to go with the Astros. I think the Mariners just miss out. Um, I just think having nine divisional games to close out the season is going to be tough for them. Fair. Very fair. They gotta win. They gotta win some games late. We're gonna see. We're gonna see if if the pitching can show up for them, um, and if stars, you know, J. Rod, um, J. P. Crawford's been big for them, and like Cal Riley again. See if he can. What would be epic is if if is if Cal Riley hits a second for the second year in a row, hits a walk off bomb to send to the playoffs. That would be pretty epic. Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet. They mm-hmm. might build him a statue tomorrow if that happened. By the way. Like, they'd build them a statue in Seattle, like, not tomorrow, but, like, the day, like, the following day. They'd hand them the key to the city. They wouldn't have to win a world. They'd just hand them the key to the city right then and there. And to win a World Series, and he just gets it. Yeah. And then, I guess I'll do my NL real quick. Um, Phillies, they should clinch tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to go with them, and then I'll add the Cubs and the Marlins. Uh, I don't think the Diamondbacks make it. Because I believe, if I double-check who they're playing to close out the year, they have, I mean, they have the White Sox, but they have the Astros. So I think the Astros will be pushing for a spot, and I think that'll leave the Diamondbacks just out of the wildcard spot. So should make for some exciting matchups, regardless of who sneaks into those final couple wildcard spots. But that'll pretty much do it for MLB. Um, minor league playoffs are going on right now, if that's something you care about. Um, Amarillo Sod Poodles have looked good going to the second round, uh, starting this week, I believe. So keep it rolling. I know minor league playoffs are vastly different, but still, uh, still fun to see the guys trying to earn a roster spot, play meaningful games. Moving on to golf, though. I don't have a PGA Tour event for the next couple weeks as starting in just three days this Thursday or two days this Thursday, we will have the Ryder Cup in Rome, Italy. The teams flew out to Rome today. The schedule is what it has been in years past. So Thursday, this is all, I guess, Eastern time uh, because they're playing in Italy. So they're going to be interesting times. But Thursday, the opening ceremonies are at 10 a.m. That is Italy time. And then Friday, we have the first round. So normally, the way it is on Friday and Saturday are 
each player plays one round and then Sunday they can play two. If a player is really hot early on Friday and Saturday, they'll play a late round too. So it just all depends on who's hot. Um, Friday, you start off with the foursomes, which are alternate shot. So whoever tees off, then the next guy hits the approach shot, the next guy hits the putt until the ball is in the hole. And then four ball, which is the best ball of the two. So both players, it's a 2v2, two on U.S., two on international. Both players hit every shot, and they just take the best shot of the two all the way until they make the putt and record the lowest score. So, so similar formats, but also, you know, four ball tends to take longer because you're hitting two shots from each spot. Um, Saturday's the same. It'll start at 1.30 in the morning, and then the second round will start at 6.30 in the morning. Um, same on Saturday. And then Sunday, we have the 1v1s starting at 5.30 in the morning. And it'll just be, I believe, 10 guys, uh, U.S. versus international, just 1v1, teeing off back-to-back. Should be fun, really competitive format. I know U.S. technically being the visitors um, as they're at an international site this go-around. Should be fun to see what the environment's like, uh, see how rowdy it gets. I know a Ryder Cup, you kind of kick it up a notch. It's not your typical golfing um, environment, but looking forward to that. And then in terms of the next PGA Tour event, it's the Sanderson Farms Championship. I know we talked about it last week. That event will tee off on October 5th, so still a few weeks out. It's played at the Country Club of Jackson in Jackson, Mississippi. $8.2 million purse, so one of the smaller events. And the Canadian, Mackenzie Hughes, won the event last year, so he'll be looking to repeat this year. But the big thing is the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, having it every other year, it's it's nice. It's a good treat, I think. They do it the right way uh, in terms of alternate sites and 12v12 and uh, kind of like a mini Olympics, if you will. So really looking forward to that. We need some great golf this week. I'm going to try and watch. I know we have a home game this weekend for Texas Tech, so I may miss it on Saturday. That said, still going to watch uh, a bunch of the event Thursday. Well, I guess I'll have to watch the highlights. Cause it's going to be like dummy early, <laughs> literally over in the middle of the night. But I'll watch all the highlights the next day. Um, I'm excited for it. It's always good. I mean, there's a reason that the, the the majors have they draw the biggest viewership, right? Like there's a reason for that. It's because it's the best golf. It's the same reason that the best games in college football every week draw the most viewership. So I'm excited for it. It sucks. We don't get to actually watch it live. I don't plan on being up for it. Um, that said, I will definitely be watching when it is live um, or not when it is live. I'll be watching when I wake up and I'll watch the highlights. Um, super excited though. Again, always good golf um, kind of draws bigger viewership. So pumped for that, but kind of getting into NFL injury news here. Um, we didn't do it the past couple of weeks. Wanted to add it this week since they're going to be, adding a new new segment at the end of the football episode about kind of like a rookie check-in um something we, you know tie into what we kind of scouted all spring for and then just to kind of let it fall by the wayside kind of sucks so changing it up this year we want to start doing that little rookie check-in we each pick a few guys each week we talked about um maybe some guys we missed maybe some guys that puka nakua is a great name like a guy who has been a monster this year as a rookie granted it's part of the role part of it's the role that he's in but guy that we really didn't talk about in the pod at all um i think he got drafted in the fourth fifth round so guy we didn't talk about maybe we'll bring up his name but mostly going to be for us to kind of reflect upon um you know obviously it's early can't i'm not going to claim any victories yet except for one i will claim one victory on thursday brett knows exactly who i'm talking about 
the guy I'm going to talk about. Yeah, he was my guy early on in the process, and he was an, he's been an absolute monster, including the second best rookie edge rush performance we've seen since uh, second best all time per pressures, and um, at least in the last like 20 years. And uh, secondly, Nick Bosa. So I'm going to claim a win on that this week or in a couple of days. But I'm just talking about some guys that we again scouted, talk about on the pod, bring those names back up for you guys. Um, for example, I'm sure we'll talk about this week. It's a big name on Twitter this week. is CJ Stroud. That was one of Brett's guys. We'll talk about him. Maybe, um, just him, for example, like a Paris Johnson jr. Guy was drafted high. We talked a lot about, but, um, with the injury news, I'll start with uh, a couple games in the early window. Mike Williams receiver for the chargers, uh, done for the year with an ACL tear, um, sucks for him. I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the episode with my, with my ice bath. Um, but yeah, sucks for Mike. Uh, not in really a contract year, but kind of in a contract year with looking at what the Chargers kind of salary issues look like next offseason and the fact that they still have Keenan Allen under contract. And they just drafted Quentin Johnston and they team likes Josh Palmer a lot. So um, tough for him. He is probably getting cut after the season, which I hate to see, especially got to come off an ACL tear. Uh, I have no doubt that Mike's going to bounce back. He's bounced back from every injury. He's had I mean, he had a career threatening back injury, neck injury at Clemson. He bounced back, became a seventh overall pick. So um, I hope the best for Mike. He's one of my favorite players in the Chargers, uh, one of the more exciting players in the NFL with what he can do on the, kind of at the catch point. Um, he's going to miss the whole year with an ACL tear, which sucks. Um, confirmed this morning with an MRI. And then uh, Derwin James left the game. Not really talked about today, but he left the game with a hamstring injury. Didn't look good on the sideline. He had it like wrapped up. Big bag, like big bag eyes, big wrap on it. So um, he probably misses a game, probably misses the game next week. I assume he's back in week six because they have the week five bye, um, but we'll see. Hammies can linger for a whole year, so we'll see what he does kind of going forward, but couple, something to kind of keep an eye on there. And then obviously, and I'll, I'll talk about the Mike Williams thing during my ice bath, but um, yeah, it sucks to see for Mike, man. I hate it. Yeah, it's definitely a bad year across the board injury-wise. Um, had a few more in terms of, let's just talk about the Saints real quick. So, Derek Carr landed really hard on his shoulder, uh, AC joint sprain for him. So probably about four weeks, um, hopefully sooner, hopefully three. Um, and then Alvin Kamara is back from suspension. Looking for him to have a big role um, pretty early on in the Saints offense. I know their offense hasn't quite clicked to what people thought it would, just with the weapons that they have across the board. Um, I don't think. He's going to, you know, have his full role that he's still going to be limited snaps probably. Um, but he's going to have a fairly big role, um, probably some big time pressure moments, um, you know, getting the ball on third third down and stuff like that. Um, a couple of things for them. A couple more guys in concussion protocol. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in protocol wasn't announced if he actually had a concussion. Um, Anthony Richardson missed the game this past week with a concussion and then. Gus Edwards suffered a concussion yesterday, so he'll be out at least a week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it keeps getting worse every year. I know we talked about the past couple episodes, just injuries across the board. So hopefully um, it'll slow down a little bit soon here before teams are making playoff pushes. But hate to see it for anyone. Um, it's always better when the, when the best guys and just everyone in general is healthy. But, yeah, that's pretty much what we got across the board there. Yeah, like you said last week, or about last week, um, mentioned it last week. The, the injuries they keep piling up. Um, 
I don't know why. I mean, it happens every year. I don't know why we're always surprised about it. It sucks nonetheless, but um, teams got to make do with what they got. So I'll kind of roll this in my ice bath um, with teams working with what they got and guys having to step up, kind of a next man mentality, a next man up mentality. Chargers drafted Quentin Johnson at 21 overall for a reason. I know that this is earlier than they expected him to have to step into a major role in the offense. But as I'm trying to put this nicely, as not great as Josh Palmer has, as as much as Josh Palmer has not lived up to the expectations, I think that the front office and the team has for him. It even more so means Quentin Johnson has to step up and step into the Mike Williams role as the down the field vertical threat. Um, that's what they drafted him to do. I think I whole. I mean, even when they drafted him, I looked over at you and said, "Mike's gone next year," because of the the physical profile he plays with and the way he can win at the catch point. Nobody does it like Mike Williams does. I I've said for a long time I think he's the best 50-50 jump ball guy in the league because he he one on one jump ball he's the best in the league at it. I think. Not that Quentin Johnson does that like he does, but he does it at an elite level. He did it at an elite level in college. And he also can be a downfield vertical threat with the separation he gets deep in routes and then the playmaking ability he has with the ball in his hands. Again, this is earlier than they wanted him to make an impact. Personally, I'm not a fan of the, the mindset of like, oh, we drafted a guy this year for him in the first round to make an impact next year. Unless it's like a quarterback maybe or the guy's hurt. And he's just super talented or there's very rare cases where I th- I'm OK with the process of it. Um, which is kind of what I, I fall back to with a lot of things is, is process oriented rather than like the decision itself. It's what's the process. I liked the decision of Quentin Johnson because I liked them taking a receiver. And I, as much as I was low on Quentin Johnson, I feel like a lot of people were, but at the end of the draft process, I still liked the player fit and what he did. I don't know if I liked the process of, Oh, we're going to draft a guy 21st overall in a Super Bowl window to play him 10 to 10 to 20 snaps a game as a rookie. You just can't. So, this is the worst way it could have happened. Second worst way it could have happened for him to be getting all these reps now, but he's have to step up. I'm excited to see it. He's looked good in the reps he's had. Um, I'm going to see if I can find the graphic because it's, it's telling of how good he's been in a way. It, sometimes it's because he's clearing out. Sometimes it's because he's on a route and it's kind of on the backside of a, of a read, but he led, oh gosh, I'm scrolling for it. Cause I know I saw it somewhere today. Um, I'm going to try and talk while I do this. Here we go. Um, of the five receivers on the, or the five pass catchers on the Chargers who have seen legit, um, like snaps, like pass receiving snaps is so Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, who's been the main non red zone pass catching tight. I know that Derek Donald Parham has three touchdowns on the season at two yesterday. But he's been more of a red zone target as a which is great because he's six foot nine as opposed to Gerald Everett's been the consistent target down the field, like throughout, you know, from kickoff down to the red zone. So um he's on here and then Quentin Johnson's also on here. The league average of separation per per yards of separation per route run is two point so just under three, two point nine four. Keenan's is four point eight two, Mike's was three and a third, Josh's was three point two three, Everett's is three point six four. Quentin Johnson's is 6.14, and it's a small sample size because again he's had limited reps. But that said, that's a that's an that's double the league average of se- yards per yards of separation per route run. So the 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 advanced metrics, and if you want to call them nerd stats, you can. The nerd stats say Quentin Johnson's been damn good this year. Um, 
despite not getting the football. So, um, you know, again, that number is going to deflate, obviously. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe he just has a great rest of his rookie year. It'll deflate down a little bit. That said, though, that gives me some optimism for when he does end up having to make an impact on the game, on the team and in the game that he can do it at a high level. Um, so I'm excited to see it. Again, they, they drafted him high for a reason. I'm excited to see his you know, his tools on, on the, on its full display. So, um, again, I'm gutted for Mike, like I'm gutted for him. He's one of my favorite players in the chargers. He's electrifying. Um, but again, he's probably not on the team next year. So that sucks. He's probably played his last snap as a charger and his last snap was tearing his ACL, which I hate for him. Um, that said next man up. And I think that the next man up can have a high impact, but you know, we're going to find out real quick. Though. I saw a tweet today and on this, the last thing I'll, before I get off my, I don't want to say soapbox, but off my out of my monologue here. Um, I saw a tweet today that was basically like it tweeted the picture of like the draft order of Johnston and then Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers. Because Zay Flowers has had a really, really nice rookie year through three games. And the tweet basically said like, it's too early for me to tweet this, so I won't do it. But getting major uh, Rager and Jefferson vibes here. And I was like, man, I just don't know if we can compare that. Because one went into a, a receiver room with two top 20 receivers. And the other went into a receiver room that's been the worst in the league in the last three years. And I'm not hating on what Zay Flowers has done. He's been great. I love Zay was my guy in the draft process, and I hope he does awesome things for the Ravens, right? I feel like it's unfair for number one to put the Justin Jefferson label or like expectations on Zay Flowers. Number two, are we really going to put that on Quentin Johnson when he's played ten snaps last week and sixteen snaps this week because he has again two top twenty receivers ahead of him and an offense that runs a hell of a lot of twelve personnel. And in an offense with a receiver they drafted in the third round two years two years ago, who they really like, and Josh Palmer, who's done good things for them. It's not like he's been a scrub. He's done good things in the past for him. I don't like how he's played this this to the, to this point this year, when he's lived up to the expectation. But he's done good things for them. He has a great rapport with Justin Herbert. So I think to put that label out there was bad. And we're I mean we're gonna find out if Quentin's the real deal or not pretty soon. We're gonna find out. But that just kind of irked me a little bit. The dialogue this week has been terrible about rookies. It always is, right? It's always bad. I, people are saying that the Panthers should just bench Bryce Young for the rest of the year. Let Stop. That's just not with it. CJ's looked great. But the dialogue about rookies has been bad. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. A little frustrating. But I'm excited for, for the Quentin Johnston. Like it or not, the Quentin Johnston breakout, whether or not he actually breaks, I don't know. But. That's what we're going to be looking at this week, the next three weeks, really. Yeah, we'll say uh, C.J. Stroud has looked like the best quarterback so far. He um, definitely has. It is early, but uh, I think what they have going on down there in Houston, everything's new across the board from coaching, offense, personnel. Um, he's looked really good and picked it up fairly quick. Um, you know, since stepping in just a few weeks ago for his first start, Um Joe Burrow also um, is going to play. So be interesting to see kind of what their game plan is for him. Um, this is coming out on Tuesday, but recording it on Monday. Um, should be an interesting matchup between them and the Rams tonight. Uh, my ice bath before we close out the episode is that playoff baseball this year should be elite. Um, not expecting the Orioles to make it to the World Series. Uh, 
it's going to be tough regardless, just playing the AL East and AL East teams mainly. I mean, the AL West is basically 10 games back of the East. So um, it's still going to be tough playing the West, but it's going to be really tough um, kind of road, no matter what team you're looking at, to get to that final series. Um, should be really good matchups in the ALDS, the two two ALDS matchups, and then the ALCS. I don't think in terms of improvement that I've seen as much improvement in such a short amount of time. Uh, this is Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager, his fifth year as the manager of the Orioles. In his first year, they had 108 losses. Then they had COVID. When he took over, they had 115. Then 108 went his first year, then COVID. Then two years ago, they had 110 losses. Last year, a 31-game improvement. And then so far this year, a 14-game improvement from last year and a 45-game improvement from two years ago. So I know it's terrible ownership and everything and the stadium rights and player contracts and all that is annoying, and I really hope they make the right decisions. But from the GM to the head coach, um, drafting has been incredible uh, in the last three years, four years really. I just hope they keep it up, hopefully sign someone good, at least retain their own guys at the minimum. Being a small market team is tough, but they found a way to make it work this year, so it shouldn't be an excuse for you know, a drop-off in success in the coming years. Um, you know, a lot of guys that are have played really well and just looking forward to keeping it going. I know a lot can change, but I already talked about it at length earlier in the episode, but it's going to be interesting to see who ends up grabbing those final wildcard spots. But that'll pretty much wrap it up today for episode 54. Um, we'll have episode 55 next week for y'all. But before that, we're going to have our Thursday Turf Talk, episode 6, I believe. We're going to recap just the overall record. We're not going to recap the games from last week, but the overall record. And then preview um, the select college games that we pick and the full NFL slate along with closing it out with the rookie watch kind of uh, an update on some rookies. We're not obviously going to go through a lot, but maybe one or two each. So we'll just talk pretty quick about, about projection versus what they're actually doing and should be fun um, to close out the episode that way, but that'll do it. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at cold seat podcast, and we'll see you on a couple of days. We'll see you guys on Thursday.